There's a lot of information that's coming at us at warp speed, I would say, in this day and age. And I think that there's this underlying generalized sense of overwhelm, um, anxiety. People don't really know what to do with all of this information. And information isn't necessarily um, learning. It's not necessarily even, I guess, what we might call education. And my, my definition of education is really what we teach or learn um, that we can then use or not use, incorporate and um, integrate into our lives so that whatever we are being exposed to, whatever information we're being exposed to or knowledge or wisdom, actually better yet, can inform us and evolve us and open up more of our world to us, make us more conscious. So I'm going to unpack that in this session. And the reason for that is that I think that to understand how to have an empowered mind, which is what I think is the result of having a lifelong education in the sense of learning really what is important and in a way that is meaningful and by people who care about us and who mentor us and who share their wisdom, not just knowledge and data and details and science that we think is true, but really um, be able to have some kind of, I guess, a critical mind, um, a way to think about it, synthesize it, try it on, um, you know, for truth or untruth, or um, just to integrate everything that comes to us so that we're not overwhelmed and that we're not, you know, more confused by data overload, but more enriched and inspired and wise. So um, my goal is to, and actually even as a mother, when I was, my children were growing up and now, you know, that they are in their early adulthood years, um, my goal's always been to expose my kids to the world in a way that is exciting and inspired and interesting and not in a way that is sort of like this false plunking into a classroom with a set of uh, a set of you know curriculum that doesn't really isn't really um, relevant to their lives it doesn't really matter and and so I wanted to always get to the heart of what matters to us what makes us feel purposeful and alive and inspired and 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 um, just I guess, a, a vibrant, vibrating with this desire to know more and to uncover more and to be, again, like I said, become more conscious of ourselves, others, and the universe that is our, I don't know, playground and part of us, part and parcel of us. So, okay, before I get too far gone with that, what I'm doing here for this session is I am releasing an entire um, session that I recorded for parents, actually, for my um, pop culture trance series. And I guess it's not just for parents, but also for mentors, leaders, 
um, stewards, you know, coaches, teachers, anybody who is in this position of, um, I guess, teaching others or shining the light for others to learn um, in their own lives. Um, so this is what I had recorded for this group of people. And I really, it actually goes for anyone because I think that at all times we are mentoring others. We're, you know, depending on where we're at in life, um, there's always someone who is looking up to us. And then there's always someone um, to which we are looking up, right? Or whom which we are looking up. And so um, I recorded this because this is a deep and uh, just intense passion of mine to open up people's minds or uh, and give them the opportunity to open up their own minds to the universe, the world, like how exciting it is to learn about everything around us and how empowering that is for us. And once we are more conscious and aware and cultivating and learning and expressing and, and enjoying our, our lives through our senses and through our minds as well and emotion... Um, it makes us happier people. It makes us whole people. It allows us to become who we really want to be and experience our lives in the way that we want to, which is with less suffering and more joy, um, less suffering and more reverence, less suffering and more inspiration, less suffering and more creation, and less suffering and more health, what I would call truly holistic health. So I hope you really enjoy this session. And the more that we can open up our minds rather than control others' minds, um, the more beautiful world that we will create for ourselves and for our families. So yeah, again, I hope you enjoy this session and um, see you on the flip side. Welcome to the Family Health Revolution Podcast with Coach Carla Atherton, where she discovers, uncovers, explores, and reveals the secrets to true family health and wellness. This is Holistic Health Empowerment Coach Carla Atherton at CarlaAthertonInspired.com. I am the director of the Healthy Family Formula and also the host and producer of the Children's Health Summit. And I am here with a bonus video called Returning to Tradition, Rites of Passage, Mentorship and Stewardship. That's the main um, masterclass. And this bonus session is allowing for our children's brilliance, what a true education must look like. And this whole series is about reclaiming our children from the pop culture trance. So the reason why I'm including this bonus video and creating it is because I spent a lot of time thinking about education and what that actually means and differentiating between our, I guess, um, cultural or um, current understanding of what education is in a modern society as opposed to or not opposed to but moving into um, a broader understanding of what lifelong learning actually is and so um, moving out of you know this whole outcome view of education to get a job vocation to prove you know something into true 
understanding, true growth, true evolution, true um, expansion and lifelong learning, this passion for not just learning about life, but living life itself, which leads to the most beautiful uh, life <laughs> you can imagine. And this is what we want for our kids. So I'm going to go over to this infographic. This is what we're going to use to go through this entire session here today. And um, this I've called an empowered mind. And so um, this is really my thoughts on how to cultivate an empowered mind and not just in our cell, our children, but also ourselves, uh, this whole, all, our whole population and moving out of, again, you know, this outcome oriented, um, you know, kind of empty, you know, sort of uh, <laughs> not necessarily intrinsically um, motivated um, seeking of knowledge to really moving into this state of true uh, desire and passion for learning. And so here are some outcomes. And I think a lot of people who are listening are mentors or even parents. Um, they might be, you might be teachers. And I think we all have the same goals. I would say when we are mentoring or teaching or parenting children and youth, and we all want those kids to be competent, right? Okay, so I'm going to start over here. We're going to start at the bottom of this infographic here. We want them to be competent. We want them to be capable. We want them to be purposeful and inspired and empowered and responsible for their lives, for themselves, for what they're doing in their lives. We want them to be independent of us, right? We don't want to be, you know, having these little chicks in the nest, you know, for their whole lives, because <laughs> that's, we need to move on to the next stage. We want them to be motivated and to help have self-love and love of others and be deeply well, right? Like we want them to be deeply well, no matter what, you know, things come, they have feelings, they have things happen, they have tragedies, but still maintain this undercurrent of deep wellness. We want them to be autonomous and resilient and adaptable, right? So be able to um, move with the challenges in life, but also adapt to them, you know, to become stronger, to become, um, have greater bounce back, to be actually even more joyful or more grateful, or um, just it, even the, the feelings and emotions attached to that. I don't even think we have words for those in the English language. We want them to be courageous, right? It doesn't mean we don't get afraid, but we become courageous and brave um, and, and, and self-propelled, uh, I guess, and with more um, confidence. Uh, curious, right? Free, wise, and to be lifelong learners. This is what we want to, for our children, because if we are lifelong learners, there's always something we can do about a specific situation. And that leads to, again, over on this first column, a really deep sense of empowerment. Like, I know I've got this thing called life. <laughs> um, all right. So I'm going to move over here. All right. So here we're going to start in the middle. Um, and this is some, we're going to start with some of the things that aren't so great about what messages our kids get and what messages we can send them um, when we want them to behave a certain way, to learn a certain thing, because that makes us feel more safe and better about what they're learning because, um, or doing in their lives. So, I mean, obviously if we have that kid who's in an Ivy league school and 
he's eating, you know, really good diet and gets tons of sleep and, you know, all those things that make us feel safe because we do, we just want to feel like our, we want our children to be well, we want them to be cared for. We want them to have, you know, enough money to pay their bills and we want them to not suffer or struggle for sure. Um, yet I think we need, to, we must have a reexamination of what our culture deems to be safe right? So what kind of vocations or, you know, like, do we uh, let go of the reins or the, the controls and allow our children and youth to have a say in what they do in their everyday lives and have a say in how they make their, their, um, their money or their way in through the world or, or, you know, all of those sorts of things that I think our culture could really use an expansion on. And that, that really starts with us. So when we tell, you know, our kids not to touch, don't touch, don't feel, don't ask, right? Don't question. Um, the question actually that, like the, the statement after that is, but that's how I learn. So if we um, squelch any questioning, even of ourselves. <laughs> I mean, I, I, it's not the easiest thing to have your kids question you and your knowledge, but I'll tell you one thing. I sure as hell don't know everything. I really don't. And my children have taught me so much about what I don't know <laughs> because any wise person knows that they don't know anything <laughs> in, in, in relation to what could actually be known in this vast universe. So questioning is a good thing questioning leads to um, really deep conversation and exploration and learning on all parts for everyone. So it is an exciting way to engage with those kiddos that we are mentoring, leading, teaching, I guess we could call it teaching, um, you know, guiding, uh, all of that stuff. So we have things to share and we have things to learn there and there is an importance to all of it to that youthful innovation we need that and we also need the wisdom of the wisdom keepers that are the older people in our in our communities so we always question and the key to creating this environment where your kids want to learn and have an empowered mind is to encourage that questioning to encourage the questions like we aren't born knowing everything so that's good thing a good thing to ask because i think often in our classrooms and in our communities um, in our culture we are told not to ask because if we have to ask that means we don't know and if we don't know then we're not good enough and we're dumb and we you know we we're supposed to know well, who knows everything i mean that's the actually it's the opposite it's the point of life is to ask questions and to keep unearthing and discovering and becoming more conscious so so to cultivate an empowered mind we ask we encourage the asking we encourage the feeling even if those feelings are uncomfortable they are all teachers and we encourage our children to touch to experience to experiment and of course you know if we know that you know, experimenting with like knives, you know, at the age of three is not a good idea. Well, of course, we're not doing that, you know, I mean, but within reason, okay, but it's not that we can't touch it. It's just that or don't touch it. It's just this, this wisdom that I can pass to you, it may burn you that fire that that knife may cut you, you know, so how about we learn in that and trust the people that are 
our mentors because they encourage us to experience our world instead of keeping us from it. Whenever we're kept from something, we're more and more curious to find out why, <laughs> to find out what that is, right? All right. So, and here's the next, if this, I guess you could consider these things to be um, the pitfalls of our current education system and our educational systems. Yes. And, and not just the educational system, but sometimes the political system, sometimes the um, medical system, all of these systems can do these things to keep all of the people within them in a manageable state of mind, not necessarily an empowered mind. So let's move out of that. Um, so think only how you think. Okay. So even let's go back to the parent level. Think only how you think. Well, I would love it if, you know, we agreed more. Okay. So, you know, everybody in the family agreed more, but if we consider each other's um, opinions, I guess, or their own thoughts, their own feelings about things, their own, everybody's individual needs. And we look more to understanding each other and being curious about each other and how each of us thinks. And according to our own experience and individuality, there's actually more of an excitement in the discussion rather than having to be right or wrong. I think that we have this pervasive belief in our culture that, you know, we have to be right in, a, in an argument, we debate, um, and even the rightness or wrongness isn't even important as long as you win. You know, all that stuff is seen in our media, in our, you know, pop culture, in even like the way we're taught, like in psychology, even like all kinds of places, it's pervasive to think that this is how this is how we roll. And it really does all stem for a, from a sense of our own disempowerment, our own sense of lack, our own sense of, you know, um, self-worth being maybe uh, tied into being right or looking right or being the authority in something. So again, when I say a paradigm shift is needed and necessary, we must move toward that. We must um, encourage individual thinking. And critical thinking is actually in this like first column here. Because if we don't think and encourage that thinking for all of our, all people, like whether you are a little child or a teenager, even like, you know, and all the way into the golden years, um, if we don't do that, how will we think for ourselves? How So we want our kids, if they grow up, or are taught in schools and institutions that they are to look to authorities for the answers, they will um, develop a sense of learned helplessness. Learned helpness, helplessness leads to outsourcing health, disempowerment. When you're disempowered, you become depressed, anxious, um, fearful because you don't have the power to change your own um, situation in life to enjoy your life in the way that you want to you have no control over that it is all in the control of some kind of other authority figure now that might seem easier when children are I don't know in grade school or something or not even in school because my children didn't actually go to a conventional school when they were younger um, and so when they are you know, five years old, they're going to be imprinted on their, their trusted parent or their caregiver. And so they will tend to uh, follow the lead of that person that they trust, which is completely 
natural. It is, is what keeps the species alive, right? For those you young ones to follow the lead, to imprint. Um, yet they still think they still want to go this way and they still want to explore that. And that's how they learn. And, and um, so it's encouraged, that is encouraged. And then if, when, as they get older, and even when they're young, they still think they talk about their ideas with their parents and their parents say, well, okay, Johnny, it's because of this and this, what do you think? And all that stuff happens. And they still learn to think for themselves while they're still in the, the um, safe womb of the family. So, or in community. So um, yeah. And then when you encourage that, they go outside of that community, they go outside of your home and they will be able to think for themselves rather than be told by some other authority figure that is self-proclaimed and may not have their best interests at heart or may not um, have the best teachings. And then those kids are still capable of thinking for themselves. Um, all right. So I'm just going to quickly go through this first column here, because these are some really rich subjects, topics, experiences that I think lead to a really deep, rich, empowered mind. And it is a more expanded version of what we might see in a school system or that we could see in a school system when there is um, there are people who are purposefully expanding um, the traditional education um, experience. And we'll see this more, I guess, when you get, when people get older, they move into like universities or different, like there's all kinds of ways to learn now um, online and in person um, and not necessarily formal schools. Uh, there's like courses you can take. There's all kinds of stuff. People take courses even for personal development and all that kind of stuff, you know? So, um, and those all lead to this empowered mind. But what I'm talking about right now is really like the education or the life the sparks for life learning, let's call it that the sparks for life learning that um, really enrich um, our young people as they grow and mature throughout their the years. So here are some so first and foremost, critical thinking, I think, um, critical thinking is a must I, I actually when I my children were growing up, I, I was really, really wanted only one thing really around one outcome. I didn't necessarily think they needed to know every, you know, all the geography or all the facts of this and all the parts of the body. Yes, that was wonderful. And they're very, that's all very useful information. It's all very, um, it's an uncovering of their world around them. It's more, you know, they're more aware, they're more experienced, all that stuff. It's beautiful. Um, but my first thing that I wanted them to know really truly uh, practice is critical thinking. So being able to look out in the world and to, to make good decisions, like to make decisions that are congruent to their, the betterment of their lives, right. To that's going to lead them forward and not back and to, um, you know, all of those things that, um, to, to lead to this empowered mind. So that was first and foremost for me as a mom. Um, and also as a teacher and teaching my creative writing workshops and all the academic work that I did at the university, um, all that teaching really, uh, all the other stuff kind of fell into place, but that was first and foremost, what I want, wanted for all of those younger people. 
Um, and I've got a list here that I'm just going to run through really quickly of really juicy information that I think, you know, outside of reading, writing and arithmetic um, are very beneficial things to learn as our children grow and mature. So geometry and sacred geometry and things like sacred geometry and experiencing physics, um, you know, taking those two subjects that seem to be very like math based or science based um, and perhaps really highly academic, taking those things and putting them into terms that are that really like shows them the connection or the importance or the um the relevance in their actual existence. Like if we knew that, you know, we use physics when we're playing pool and when we're sacred geometry is really about how every single molecule and every single thing in this universe has patterned. I mean, that is the coolest thing I've ever learned. And so when they, when kids learn in that way, their world becomes brighter and they become more engaged in what you're talking about, not only to learn something and to make that stick as like a learning new you know, device, but to make it relevant and not just to make it relevant, to show its relevance. And then they are more aware. And that's, that's very, very exciting as they, they discover all these things about, about their world. Um, holistic health and nutrition, um, hyper important. I don't, I don't think we learn enough about health at all. And the stuff we learn about health, at least in like the traditional sense and like, you know, whatever we can fit in into like a day, you know, with kids and perhaps in a conventional school is, is really, um, sometimes it's sort of taught, but then you don't have the full picture um, it's really very basic. And then it doesn't relate to their life, especially when the cafeteria is serving crappy food. <laughs> that makes no sense. There's no congruence. So it's taking, it's sort of like taking the soul out of education. And what we need to do is put it back and everything that they learn and experience it's lived, right? It's not just like, it's very hypocritical to teach about, yes, this is nutrition and the way we're supposed to learn it, but we don't actually practice it. It's the same with everything else on this list. So physical training, again, it's not just to train. So that you showed you went to gym class it, or, you know, it's because you want a better, more healthful body, not better, a healthy body. And it also challenges you. It, um, you know, brings people together as, as groups and teams. It, it trains you for, something that you might have a challenge for later on. You know, if you climb a mountain, it's very uh, satisfying. And you know that if you ever had to do that, you could and you would survive. It, it is way more than getting, you know, checking off your attendance in a physical activity class. Literally like training, even martial arts, the mind and the body and, and how the mind and the physical body like really um, play together when you are doing some kind of training in that way, when you have this kind of discipline in this, um, and it's teaching all those sorts of, of, of really um, fundamental uh, wisdom, you know, it's teaching wisdom. Or I guess giving access to wisdom. You can't teach wisdom. <laughs> All right. So meditation, mindfulness, breathing, breath work, 
those are some of my favorites. Actually, I think they're all my favorites so far. <laughs> I think this whole list is my list of favorites. Um, and those things are about self-regulation, about the mind body again, but also, you know, reducing stress. I mean, how, why are we going to school being stressed out about certain like cramming in all this information and not learning about our own bodies, about our own, like this nervous system, which I have here about how to, you know, body work and body care about self-care, because how incongruent is that to have a mass of kids who are depressed or anxious or have all this weird social stuff going on in this school setting, and they don't have any tools to actually move through that, but also the whole place is set up to create this environment in the first place. So what about, you know, places and spaces, whether it be in the classroom or the home or, uh, you know, a community center or wherever we gather to learn about how we tick as human beings. I mean, that is the most important lesson of life. It's not, um, you know, what's on this test or the other, it's literally the stuff of life. And that's when you get excited about learning. And that's when you have the capacity to do life, right? Like you hear a lot of kids go, I can't do life. <laughs> I'm like, I've heard that so many times. I'm like, what do you mean you can't do life? Uh, maybe you don't think you can, but here, let's go. We've got lots and lots of tools and ways to discover who you really are and what you really got. So ancient and traditional wisdom. Okay. So this is actually being forgotten in our pop culture environment. We've got a lot of people who you might be one of those families or, you know, um, that has like traditions and they, and you recognize those things and you've been, you know, talking to the young people in your life about them. You, um, you know, you have grandparents or elders or wisdom keepers in your families or your communities that the children turn to. Um, what I've seen quite a lot of as well, though, is uh, this sort of pushing aside of tradition and um, the elders and wisdom keepers um, with this, you know, trend toward, you know, people being in convalescent homes or in, you know, what people call sort of disrespectfully old folks homes, things like that. And they're removed from their position as wisdom keepers in the family. Um, and I, I'm calling for a return to that of, of, you know, rites of passage, which we're going to actually talk about here and also in another session of the program. Um, but that is hyper important for the exploration of, of the self, um, of, of holding together this whole progression of, you know, the wisdom keepers, you know, passing on the wisdom. This is what true education really is, um, of lifelong learning is the, the passing on of wisdom and then adding to it with the innovative youth about what they discover with their curiosity. We need it all, um, deep history. And I don't like, when I say deep history, I mean, not just what's in the history, certain history books that we keep teaching over and over again in these textbooks, that's really missing a lot of the richness, a lot of the diversity, a lot of the voices that were not included in the history books when there was, you know, discrimination or the people that really history um, books are often made up of the history of the peoples that had control at the time and the power and the, and uh, to control what was being, um, what was being written about and talked about. So, uh, or is deemed as worthy as being historical or hist historically relevant. So deep history. And there's, there's a lot more that people are uncovering and discovering and sharing 
um, that goes like leaps and bounds beyond what we might be still teaching 50 years later in the same or 100 years later in the same school system. True anthropology. Okay. So again, you know, as things are discovered, there's, there's stuff being discovered constantly in anthropology and in archaeology as well. And actually I don't even have archaeology here. I don't think, but let's include that too. Anthropology is the study of culture and our archaeology is we do discover culture through archaeology, but that's, you know, finding out what's going on. Um, what's happened in our past through the, you know, unearthing literally of, you know, bones and civilizations and buildings and such like that, um, that may have existed at one point, um, or, you know, and uh, we're uncovering parts of our history through that, through archaeology. So um, the truth of it, and then also storytelling, case I'm just jumping over here from one, one to the next here. So storytelling and reading, um, we're going to talk about that again in rites of passage in that in that longer session. But there's such a deep importance to uh, story and the hero's journey and learning from other stories and your own rich culture and feeling part of that because we all are. And then seeing your place and space in that history and and um, being able to voice that. And that's hyper important for the mental and emotional wellness of our entire population. That's why I'm so passionate about teaching the, the writing workshops that I teach, the inner genius uh, writing workshops, as well as the um, hero's journey writing workshops. So, and then reading, you're never alone. If you're a reader, there's a book for everyone. I'm telling you right now there is, and you will, you're, those kiddos will learn so much just from um, a really well-written uh, piece of literature or a fictional book, fantasy, whatever, what, what have you. Um, reading is a gateway to um, really self-discovery and trying things on and understanding other people's perspective, even if it's fictional. So written expression, again, finding voice, purpose, um, you know, like, following the story and also to be able to release the story, right? Not, not live there anymore, but, you know, recognize the, that hero's journey and where you've come now. Um, so language, words, and poetry, same kind of ideas, um, you know, and being able to express and to respect emotion and to be able to drill it. Oh, I should have photography here. Drill down into the beauty of life. Um and understand it. And that just takes something like what this, this boy is doing here right now is just to be still and quiet in nature. Right. And um, so ecology and earth science. And once we learn to love something, we see our place in it. Literally so much anxiety just drops out of the way when we have vitamin N <laughs> nature in our lives, which uh, Richard Louv says, um, when we don't have, you know, a deficit of nature, like he, he actually coined a term called like, nature deficit disorder <laughs> because it's for real, you know, because we are, when, whenever there is a sense of dis-ease and disharmony in the emotional and in, in someone's emotions, um, it is because first and foremost, they feel disconnected. That is entirely, um, coming from a disconnect and that could be a disconnect from self from others from um earth from 
like, why, why are we here? Where's my place? I, I don't understand this. And so when, as, as we explore these things with our youth, we give them more connection. We allow them to feel the connection that is already there and to understand it in so many beautiful fractals, you know, different ways through um, these very rich uh, means of understanding. So learning about um, and exploring the vastness of the cosmos and universe. I mean, why not? Let's talk about that. My son wanted to talk about that since he was a little guy. You know, he would call across the hallway and he'd say, Mom, what happened before the earth was made? And I'm like, uh, <laughs> what? what's outside? You know, he'd ask me these really big questions. And it wasn't for me to know. It was for us to find out together and discuss. And like, well, what do you think? And what could the possibility be? And I mean, you know, and, and, and digging into the books we'd get every single week from the library and just having fun with it and exploring it. And it's not this outcome of having to know definitively. It's the possibility that's exciting. And it and it uh, leads toward more an insatiable thirst for life. So classics and ancient civilizations, uh, culture, travel, right? Other people's experience. It brings us out of our own stuff and into what actually could be. And it's, it's really... It's fun <laughs> to travel, to try new foods. And sometimes it's hell, right? And so, I mean, everybody has a hell travel story. And that just leads you to go, wow, that was something. We got through that. I feel stronger. That's kind of funny now. Like, uh, you know, I'm I'm really appreciative of being home. You know, like all of those things are just so rich. And philosophy, um, myth, uh, astronomy, Okay, so then philosophy and myth are hyper important to be able to have this dialogue about life because it is it has to we are always trying to make sense of it. I don't know why I don't have math here. I mean, I think a lot of these things are math. I mean, they're all math anyway. Everything's math. Um, but I, I think I was just trying to put like different, um, you know, different categories that all involve math but it's more of an exploration of experiencing that math okay so astronomy there's math involved in that obviously um but also learning about the universe and like you know that you if you've ever heard an astronaut and they talk about having been up you know above the earth and re and literally having philosophical um soulful revelations about life period because they saw their world in an entirely different way than they had before, because they understood the vastness of the cosmos, or at least touched upon it, like what it could be, the vastness. And so, um, and it is very, um, it's cool. <laughs> it's, it's pretty cool. Um, so geology and geography, um, so different things, earth science, as well as, you know, places on earth and where everything is learning about that stuff is, is uh, very enriching as well. Knowing where other peoples are like the, the different countries and cultures and um, you know, the vastness of, of all of that. And then art and art history. And I, like I said, I should have put photography. I mean, I could have put so many other things in here. So I apologize if you have a specialty or a passion and it's not on here. 
um, add any sort of art form, any sort of creative outlet, um, including like woodworking and house building and, you know, skills like that, the life skills and survival. Um, we got to know how to wash the dishes and make supper. We got to know how to, you know, make a snare, uh, you know, why would, because I think we're so comfortable in our communities and our societies that we don't, we are kind of feeling a little lost as far as like what our purpose is and what our strengths are. And so we need to challenge ourselves every once in a while, got to know how to survive in the wild and maybe even put ourselves in those situations. It's like um, some kids uh, go to uh, schools that are outdoor schools or um, survival schools, or we, and again, when we talk about rites of passage and ceremony and tradition, those were built into those cultures to give kids those experiences so that they can really see what they're made of. If we're sitting, I mean, that's why a lot of kids will play video games because they want to see what they, they, they feel like they're living that, but not quite. It's without the soul, right? You put the soul back into it. We give them those experiences um, in real life, those opportunities to actually have that. I remember my son went to a camp and uh, he, I think he was 15 or at the time, I don't think he was 16. I think he was 15 and dropped him off. He was a little nervous, you know, like, and it was a, it was a like not survival necessarily camp, but it was like, there's an outdoor like camp and they had to like hike miles and miles a day. And they had to pack all their food and they cooked over a fire and they, you know, like they were out in the wilderness. And when I came back, that kid was like barefoot and wild. <laughs> He'd returned to that because he was barefoot and wild for all his youth. And then he sort of got a little bit quieter. And then, but he was like, bare, like <laughs> and it was the most beautiful thing I have ever seen. And it was I just went to pick him up by myself. Every we had company, so the rest of the family stayed home. And I, I think that's one of my favorite, favorite memories of motherhood, mothering my teenage son, was when I came and I picked him up and I saw him just full on alive, just alive. Oh, I could just cry. Okay, so music and musicians, um, and I, I say musicians because. Music is one thing. And there is this vast, like, I don't mean like just pop music, pop music can be fun. Sure. But I mean, like all different genres, all different, you know, thoughts and ideas and creative energy poured in from all different people. And then learning about the musicians themselves, like sometimes listening to them or, or reading a little bit about why a musician wrote a specific song that is so um, beautiful, you know, and also to hear like the art history, people's lives. I love listening to podcasts about like people who are polymaths, you know, know a lot of things about all these different things, these different uh, topics here that, and then learning why they do that and, and, and hearing them talk about that um, rather than just, you know, kind of like learning this one specific note or something and how this note goes with that. Well, but what's the passion behind it? What's like, again, putting the soul back in and experiencing it, going to like 
a huge, you know, theater or a church to hear like voices raised in song and, you know, to concerts and feel the energy and to, you know, um, talk to musicians or go to art shows or, you know, attend an archaeological dig or go to those museums and, you know, like look through, like buy a, a telescope, you know, or read poetry or write it you know, go to these places. I mean, putting again, the soul, the experience back into lifelong learning. And then I'd already mentioned ecology and earth science and nature, nature, nature. All right. So we want to support, I'm going to move to this column here. We want to support and allow for those experiences to take place. Like these were the subjects and I'm going to keep going with that, but expand it into how we support and allow this. So um, or what we what we could support and allow. So importance of family. So this is really important. Um, and that family might, you know, there could be some issues. Um, it might not be a family of blood. It could be a family of choice. It doesn't matter the configuration, but we the the importance of the family is, I think, one of the top priorities for me because this is where our children have this safe space to learn. It's like a Montessori classroom, right? They have all the, you know, the choice within these, this, uh, you know, a, a safer space, I suppose, or a smaller version, not even safer, a smaller version of the outside world or the whole world, not even outside. It's not inside, outside. It is a smaller version of the whole world. So we're getting a taste of it. Um, you know, within that family. And we're also a touchstone and anchor um, some, a container, but not where we're blocked, but where we have um, something to hold it all together, right? The family. So um, we're wanting to allow this experimentation and also for failure. Failure is how we learn. I mean, like, and what is failure anyway? Redefining that art, music, and sound, um, expression and creation, gratitude and non-judgment, you know, allowing those and, and talking about those subjects or even being mindful of those ourselves as teachers and parents, um, having a reverence for nature and our place in it. I'd already talked about that a little bit, love, connection, and understanding of others. Um, and this is something that we can tend to think is not part of our education or, but it is certainly, I mean, I take, again, I take put the soul back into learning and this is all about learning, right? It's all about learning. And that's, and, and this is what some of the most important stuff is the heart stuff. It's the connection stuff. It's the community stuff. Um, that's the reason why a lot of times why kids will choose to go to school, right? Because they want to be with their friends. It's not because they miss, they, they really love math and some kids do. Okay. Don't get me wrong, but, uh, no, it's not necessarily why they go. <laughs> it's because they want to be with their community. Um, so we want to allow and encourage self-love, self-awareness, fun, play, and joy, right? Isn't that isn't that what, what we're doing here? <laughs> um, and true science and experimentation. And when I say true science, I mean, not dogmatic, not force feeding, you know, this is true. That's untrue because we know in science, in true science, things are changing all the time as we discover and experiment, um, spirituality and the existential questions. I already touched on that, why that's so important. 
um, allow for hermetic stress, which is like enough stress to cause a positive change of, of, to cause growth. Okay. And we want to allow for that. We want to allow for challenges, right? Because that again is how we get stronger. Our just how our children get stronger. And again, this kind of comes back to rites of passage, tradition, ceremony, maybe survival skills, all that kind of stuff. Um, explore emotional intelligence, right? That's a, that's a very important thing. Um, all for like everybody, it's not just boys, just girls or people, you know, in between and old or young doesn't matter. Emotional intelligence is not encouraged necessarily in our broader culture, but it's certainly being discussed so much more now. And I'm so happy to see that happening. Um, encourage curiosity, encourage expression and encourage questions and put the soul back into learning and learning back into their souls. Don't you love that? I love words. <laughs> um, all right. So here's where we choose, okay, to create this, these outcomes for our youth and our children, for those, those young people we care so deeply about and that we care for, um, that we mentor, that we lead, that we steward. Well, first we're doing this for ourselves. And I encourage anybody listening to explore all of these things. It doesn't matter if you're whatever age you are, don't stop. Don't say I was, I went to school for this amount of years and that's it. No, I mean, when we're doing this and we see it as a life learning, I'm still taking, I'll read something about philosophy. I'll take this class because that's interesting. I want to become a polymath, but I don't know if I'm ever going to get there, but I don't care because this is, this is what I'm doing in my life is to keep Keep on keeping on, keep learning. Um, so we choose, this is how we choose. We recognize ourselves as teachers, mentors, and wisdom keepers. Like this is what we're doing, whether we, we recognize it or not. Um, we don't need to outsource that. We can, you know, bring in other people that enrich our children's lives. Or, you know, if we're a teacher, we kind of share the load or we, you know, tell them, hey, go look for this here and we can be lighthouses and uh, shine the lights in different places and, and provide opportunity. But we, we have to really recognize that, especially as parents, we are their teachers. Like when we say, oh, no, the school closed down and what do I do for my kids education? Well, you just be their parent. You just go places with them. You just learn and you discover and you, you, you know, you, you cultivate this, this um, desire to learn. Right. And to, and just live life. I mean, that's what, that's what we do. That's what we don't need others, but we can have others in our communities that enrich, right. Rather than take over our place as their teachers, mentors, and wisdom keepers. Um, so we ask ourselves this question. Here's a couple questions I really think are very important. And here's one of them. Do we want good workers or healthy children? Right? So the key is to value thinking and competence over obedience. And because we don't need obedience when people are thinking for themselves, when they have all this rich knowledge, when they feel connected to others, they will work in, in tandem. They will be more like they'll work collectively. They will get along better. They will feel better. They will have less reason to take because they feel like they've understand. They're less fearful of their world of, and of each other. They don't need to be obedient, right? They just need to um, be competent and then 
loving and, and open and evolved, right? So school and de-school, um, unschool and de-school. Now, when I say that, if people, and I'm not saying every single school you shouldn't go to, my kids went to a couple years of school, the, the girls did, my son didn't go, I've been to tons of school, <laughs> I, I did a master's degree, um, I didn't like some of my school, I love some of it, I've been, and I've actually still take classes con- constantly at my age now, and I'll never stop, and I love the challenge of different, um, different curriculums that are set out to be challenging in a certain way to um, deliver certain information. What I mean by unschool and de-school is to take out that or to, um, I guess, recondition our, our uh, belief or our understanding of what education is, take it out of uh, put and put the soul back. Right. So instead of saying, um, you know, like we're trapped in this school and being like, I hate it. And then I just got to get out. And then as soon as we graduate, yay, we're free. Like what? <laughs> like if we unschool ourselves and, and take out all of those negative connotations by offering this kind of experience to our youth to learn, then we don't have the pushback to uh, of of teaching of learning right and it becomes part of their lives right so you actually solve the problem um by opening up the opportunity you see what i mean so this isn't a matter of going to school or not going to school it's a matter of how we do it it's how we do it and so we can opt out of systems by doing that or pro- programs or social media. We can do that or we can re-examine them. We can recreate them. We can um, have fun with them and, and see them for what they are. You know, this isn't the, Johnny. If you if you flunked out of math, it doesn't mean you're dumb and that you're never going to go anywhere in life. It means that you flunked math. And maybe it wasn't your thing. Maybe you weren't inspired, right? Like we need, we, we must opt out of all of these, these um, measurements, right. Of, of our children so that they can be free to actually experiment, ask questions, learn, and be um, inspired to do so. Also creating a shelter of each other. I love that term that comes from Mary Pfeiffer's book called shelter of each other. And she talks about, well, the importance of the family um, and how uh, we can be that shelter for each of each other. And I, it's not just, it's not where there's an antagonistic world, but where there's a, a sense of safety and um, to be, to just express and to be, I love that. I love that um, sentiment. And then rites of passage, like passage, like I said, so we choose to continue with these practices so that uh, we pass on the wisdom and uh, from generation to generation with each generation adding to that body of wisdom. So again, to have these outcomes of capable, competent, curious, free, wise, inspired, empowered children, and then young adults and then adults. So whether we're at a school or a kitchen table, right? So these are both places we can gather, but it is the world, the universe, the possibilities in our minds that is our true classroom 
our true learning playground, right? The possibilities and um, also the opportunities to really see our world as a playground. So I hope you enjoyed that. Um, that's my rendition or my um, <laughs> thoughts. Those are my thoughts about an empowered mind. And I hope it was inspiring for you and um, really encouraged uh, this whole movement. And I hope you're with me with this movement toward allowing for our children's brilliance to just come and shine bright, right? Shine bright. All right. Thanks for attending. And uh, may you, your family and the people you serve be well. This podcast is sponsored by the Healthy Family Formula, which essentially means that we share our information for free. For more support, community, audio coaching, full episodes, bi-monthly live Q&A, discounts on our group coaching programs, and more, become a patron of my work at www.patreon.com slash Carla Atherton. For more information about anything related to family health, do pick up my book, Family Health Revolution, and check out our newsletter, blog, individual and group coaching programs, and practitioner training program at Healthy Family Formula and CarlaAthertonInspired.com. Find us on Instagram at Coach Carla Atherton and on Clubhouse at Empowered Family. Please note that Family Health Revolution podcast is not a source for diagnosis or medical treatment, but is the opinion of the host. This podcast is intended to empower people with information so they can make the best health decisions for themselves. It is up to each person to listen to their inner wisdom, consider the information they deem to be accurate and applicable to their individual situation, and consult with their trusted healthcare providers if they so choose when making any decisions regarding their own health or the health of their loved ones. Each person's health is their own responsibility.